Yeah. Okay. Today I'm joined uh, with Kai, per usual, uh, Six Saints Podcast. We're back. Today we have a special guest, Patrick Sellers, head coach for Central Connecticut State University. Good to have you. How you doing today? I'm happy to be here, fellas. Doing well. Thank Thanks you. for having me. No problem. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to jump right into it. He's a busy man, got a busy schedule. So you were born in Florence, South Carolina. What was that like growing up? Yeah, um, I'm a, like Montez Johnson introduced me to you guys mm-hmm. yesterday. He's a Hempstead, New York guy. And Florence, South Carolina is like the ver- Hempstead version of uh, South Carolina. Okay. Most of my family is from New York, and that's the reason I, I chose to come to Central Connecticut mm-hmm. because uh, as a kid in the summer times, my brother and I would spend the whole summer in the city. And uh, we just got comfortable up in the Northeast. And when I was, got recruited out of high school or whatever, I had a lot of opportunities down south in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then Central Connecticut came knocking and, and I liked the, sc- the campus and the school, and all of a sudden, boom, I ended up here. All right. All right. So you played at Central uh, during college. Uh, what some of your favorite memories being here, and has it drastically changed now, like today, present day? Yeah, you know, uh, when I got here, Central had been Division One for about three years, so we were still kind of relatively new in mm-hmm. Division One, And we were, back in the day, this is old school, fellas, independent. So you guys probably know independent you're not in a conference, yeah. so you play whoever you know. You play 28 games and you travel all all the time. So we went to play Cal Berkeley out in California, Oklahoma State. We went to San Diego. Mm. We went Florida. We played. We went all over the place, For real? and that attracted me to here because just to travel. I wanted to travel and see different places, so I came here uh, to do that. And you know, obviously, basketball was a big part of it. We 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 were. Up and coming, we had a lot of talented guys. We were just trying to find our way in Division mm-hmm. One, and not having a conference was a hard part of it. But as we as we went on, we got a lot better and better, and it was just a great four years. And then you know, back in campus back then, it's totally different now. Like you know, obviously uh, the James Dorm and yeah, Mid Campus yeah. is new. That wasn't here before. There was a, there was a street right down the middle of campus so cars you should drive through oh, the seriously? middle of campus yeah oh. we you know you guys we have the thing in front of the student center yeah, yeah. where you can kind of hang out well, yeah. that was a street oh. so cars would go up and down the street whatever you had to watch out for cars walking through campus mm-hmm. or whatever that was different and uh you know the dorms were you know, i lived in vance hall okay. so like i lived in my i went back to my room when i got the job here last year i went to go check out my room vance 118 mm-hmm. it's now single Oh. And when I was here, there was two people in that room. Oh, a small right. room, it was carpeted <laughs> floors. It, it was a hard concrete floor. And you got to remember, back then, you know, we had cable, but it wasn't cable on campus. So, you know, we had a TV, yeah. you had two or three channels. That was it. Yeah. Uh, no cell phones. Everybody had beepers back then. And they had pay phones on each floor in the dorm. So you oh, had to get, use a pay phone. That's crazy. So it's old school, man. I'm old school. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Um. You also had a short stint playing in England. How was that? That was great. Love England. Like every Saturday morning, Sunday morning, I get up still to watch Premier League uh, football, soccer. Oh, for real? So uh, I was a big Arsenal fan when I played over there. Uh, the guy, it was a guy named Ian Wright who was big time goal scorer for Arsenal back in the days. Mm. When I got there, you know, I was I was twenty one, twenty two years old. He was young in the in the Premier League. So I went and followed them, and then I just started following Arsenal. Arsenal's doing real well right now in, in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So I watched English football. My first ever game, my roommate took me to uh, – I played for Middlesbrough Basketball Club. Mm-hmm. Middlesbrough Football Club was in the Premier League then, and okay. we played Man United. 
So I went to a Middlesbrough Man United game, first time ever, 80,000 fans going nuts. Wow. And I got into it after that. That's crazy. But, like, basketball-wise, how was it? Like, yeah, how do you basketball-wise, so uh, I was just telling one of our guys uh, today, one of my good friends who I coached with, I've been all over the place. I coached with at Hofstra, coached in the G League, mm-hmm. NBA, Indiana. He's been all over the place. He's the president and GM of the London Lions. So these these guys in Miami just bought the London Lions basketball team. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get them to the Euro League, which is the top. League yeah, the in top. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I went. So he, he they're still trying to get basketball big in England. Obviously, soccer is the number one yeah. sport. Basketball is probably played the second most played sport in that Ooh. country. But the fans are so much into football, they don't really look at basketball. basketball yeah. So they're still trying to get it. So when I was there, it was the same deal. We we played games. We did clinics to mm-hmm. try to promote basketball. I lived in the northeast of England, so we wanted to try and get it, you know, big. So yeah. I just read this yesterday. There's, I think, 74 Division One basketball players from England, which is a, a big, you know, a big number. Yeah. But the fans are still not into it as much, so they, they're trying to get it like Spain and Greece yeah. and Italy and those things. But it was it was fun. I had a great two years there. My first year I got lucky, man. We, um, you know, it's two foreigners on every team at, at that time, so mm-hmm. two Americans. So again, I was 21, 22, and our other foreigner was Tony Hansen, who played at UConn. Mm-hmm. Tony was 34 when I was there, so he was like an old head. Yeah. So Tony, uh, and so we we they started off 0 and 8. And they brought me in in at the end of October. I, I I broke my ankle at the end of my senior year, and, they, and so I got healthy. Mm-hmm. They brought me in right around October, and we go on this crazy winning streak. And then, like probably later on in the season, we signed a guy who was born in England but grew up in New York. Yeah. So it was almost oh, like we had three foreign yeah. guys. Uh, so we go right to the top of the league, go to the championship. We lost in in London at Wembley Arena in the championship game, but it was a great run that first year. And this next year, we won the league, and we lost in the second round of the playoffs. So it was a fun two years. Oh, that's what's up. So in England, what was like a what was your regimen? Like, what did you do on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, when you play in Europe, I tell like players all the time, you, you practice almost twice a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you'll have a morning practice where you're doing shooting, skill work and then you come back at night and you do your plays and you yeah. practice five on five and all yeah. that stuff so the team i played for we would have a morning like kind of optional shooting session so i would go to the shooting session every morning and then i would go lift weights and then come back at night and we have our full practice so yeah. i would go through the whole practice whatever mm-hmm. and again i was so young at the time <clears throat> excuse me i was so young at the time um all the guys on the all the guys on the pro team were like Tony's age. They were mid thirties. I was yeah. the youngest. Yeah. So I would go out with the junior guys. So the junior guys are sixteen to like twenty two. So I would go out with the junior team. So I got so tight with the young guys, the junior guys. They were my age. So I would hang with those guys all the time. So we'd go hang out night before the game. You know, we have a team meal or whatever, and then get prepared for the game. We have the game. What's up? Okay, so what led you into coaching? What made you say like this is this is something I want to follow? Yeah, you know I you know I love basketball. I, like even now, I, you know I watch a ton of NBA. I'm a big NBA guy. Mm-hmm. I watch a ton of NBA games. But what I do, what what happened was I hurt my knee. Right when I came home, I was playing pickup. I hurt my knee, and I had a surgery on my knee. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was set to go back to 
England again. And I had the surgery, it set me back, and so they couldn't wait for me to sign somebody else. So while I'm waiting, I'm thinking, all right, I'll go to uh, a team in Sweden. Mm-hmm. In, the men- in the meantime, one of my buddies had a high school job, and he offered me an assistant job while I was kind of getting myself rehabbed yeah. ready to go. And after that, I just kind of fell in love with it. I wasn't making a ton of money in England. You know, it was like a, you know, a starter job. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I, want, I know I want to stay in basketball, and this is my opportunity. So I took the JV assistant job, the JV coach, head coaching job, with the assistant on the varsity mm-hmm. team at St. Thomas Aquinas. I've been coaching ever since. That's what's up. Um, <coughs> you've coached uh, a lot of different teams as we uh, went over. Um, what's the emotions like? like how 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 is the emotions coaching? Like, how do you feel if you can describe it? Like, how yeah, you know. Work? So again, like if I, you know, fifty three years old, these guys always laugh at me. I said, if I could play right now, I'll play. I said, like, I said, fellas, I said this to them last year, like cracking up laughing. If I hit Lotto for like three hundred million, you're going to see me playing on the NBA team. <laughs> I'm gonna try and buy part of the team and play. That's how much I love to play. So the next best thing, if you're not playing, is coaching. Mm-hmm. And so it's just you're in it, you're, you're rebounding with these guys, you're you're hustling, you're sweating. You know they call it sweat equity. You know you, you're putting in time with these guys, mm-hmm. and when you see a guy go from being a, a poor free throw shooter to I just I was just looking at Andre Snoddy's free throw stats last year. Mm-hmm. He shot 79 percent from the free throw line. He started the season off awful from the free throw line and he just really worked on his game worked on his game free throws stayed after stayed after and he ended up 79 percent that's a huge Mm, that's a huge leap so as a coach when you see a guy improve like that that's a win for us that's like that's like me getting a dunk in the game i'll feel it out i'm connected with andre and that's with all the guys so yeah you get a lot of emotions so obviously when you win a game as and you know how much work these guys put into the film session the weight room studying what we had to do, getting better, working on all the stuff. Sometimes I'm getting mad at them, getting on them. Sometimes they get pissed off at me, and we keep going and keep going. And all that work and effort you put into it, and you end up with a win, it's an emotional yeah. You feel great yeah. about it. So of course. we get in the locker room, and I tell these guys all the time, hey, we're going to go out and, and, and celebrate, have a good time, yeah. and enjoy this win. So we, we do that a lot. That's good. Um, How does the recruiting process work for you guys? How does the recruiting process go? Because you're the head coach so at the end of the day, yeah. you have to say so. So how do you figure out who's going to fit within the system and all of that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So, you know, my uh, as an assistant coach, you know, worked for Howie Dickerman here way back in the days. Mm-hmm. And Coach D was known as a, you know, a high-level recruiter. You know, he, he recruited Ray Allen to UConn. So he had a lot of guys. So he kind of took me under his wing and told me, you know, what you look for, uh, Obviously, you're looking for guys who are talented in length and athleticism, but you're looking for guys who will fit your culture and your program. Um, You know, one thing, we we don't want knuckleheads. We want guys who can be on time, guys who work hard. Um, And sometimes you'll take a a lesser player because he's going to buy in and fit more to your culture and your program because, you know, they'll work hard and they'll get better and it'll help the whole team. So we look for character guys, you know, you know, the, the top of the list. Um, we uh, we look for guys. I like, I'm like. i big on shooting mm-hmm. and I, basketball IQ. I like guys who understand yeah. how to play. So we really, really go and working hard on finding guys who understand how to play basketball. But on top of all that, probably the number one thing is the character part of it. We want good guys, good people. When you say good guys, what does that consist of? 
Yeah, and that's, for the younger listeners listening, because I know my little brother, he's a he's a huge on basketball. So yep. if he's trying to go play college, what does he have to do in order to get looked upon? Yeah, so that's a great question. I always say one of the things is in the classroom. Like if you know, to me, uh, obviously, I'm, I'm not a. I wasn't great in English. That wasn't my favorite subject. Math was my favorite subject. I okay. got my degree in counting, and I was good with numbers, but. You know, you put the effort in that English class, you're going to do well if you go talk to For the sure. teacher and be a part of, of it. Course. So guys who are who don't struggle academically is one of the first things that you look at because you want guys with good grades so you don't have to worry about the academic part. Um, our guys, I've talked to our guys all the time, they'll tell you, coach says this all the time, you know, I want guys who are going to go to class, who going to be on time, who are going to talk to the professor, who's going to work hard, who's going to – and it might not be your favorite subject, but you're putting the effort and you're working in that class. To get so the grade. We, yeah, yeah, so we don't have to worry about your class, your grades, your effort in class. We want to talk about how we're going to guard this player at Sacred exactly. Heart, how we're going to play when we play UMass. Yep. So we want to talk about basketball and not about that issue. So, so we look for guys who are really good academically, number one. Then number two, off the court, um, you know, we, all, we tell our guys all the time, Please, thank you. Hold the door for somebody. When, when when you see a girl struggling with her books, walking out of the door, can you hold the door for it? Do you need help with that? I was like, that goes a long way when you yeah. when you when you do that type of stuff. Um, and just being being a nice per- being a good person. And I would tell them, you can be a good person and you can work hard and you can talk and you can thank you and please and all that stuff. And then you get on the court. And I want to be a monster. I want to be the exactly. pit bull yeah. on the court. Dumb. So. That's what we're looking for, tough guys on the court. But when they're off the court, you know, just normal, good people. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, how difficult is it to lead a group of guys? Um, you know, so. And keep them on the right path. Yeah, yeah. That, that's another good question. I, uh, you know, I, fortunate for me, when I was in eighth grade, I, I went to the boys club from a little kid up. And in eighth grade, they started this club called a Keystone Club that's within the boys club. Mm-hmm. And the Keystone Club, our our particular boys club, got this group of guys together, and basically we're gonna have fundraisers and we're gonna do educational trips. So the first Keystone Club president, the boys club director, basically appointed me the first Keystone Club president because he's like Pat. Every time we come to the gym and you're in the basketball court or you're in the baseball field or you're at the pool or whatever, you always like, fellas, let's do this. And everybody followed you. Mm-hmm. Fellas, let's do this. And everybody followed, they kind of followed me. And I don't know why they followed me, but I was taller than everybody, one of the yeah. things. And again, I was like the person who said, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Holding the mm-hmm. door for people. And so guys followed me. And so I, I got a little reputation as being a, a leader from my early age, okay, and then to get to your question about how hard is it, you know, I don't. If you do the right thing, and I tell these guys all the time, I said some of the things I'm gonna tell you, you probably don't want to hear it, but I'm not telling you anything that's gonna that's gonna pull you down. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna help you, and uh, you know, all the time. We the other day we had practice, and one of the guys was upset. His team lost lost a couple times in a row. They lost. They had to run, and he was mad and whatever. And I said, uh, I said, stop it. He he didn't think the referee was good, mm-hmm. and that was one of the coaches refereeing. I said, stop in and see me. And I was like, hey, 
There's, uh, you're going to have a bad whistle on the road at UMass. The referee's going to call a bad call. They're going to they're going to do this. They're going to do that. Whatever. And if your attitude is bad and you're one of the leaders, the other guys, the younger guys, are going to look at how you respond to that, and then they're going to have that same type of attitude. Exactly. I said, so this is a learning experience. I want you, no matter if it, it could be going going against you, your your girlfriend could be mad at you one day. The teacher gave you a tough grade in class. Somebody got on you. I got on you. Something happened. But you got to have that good attitude so everybody around you will understand that, hey, this guy's not having the best day, but he's still leading us and pushing us in the right direction. So, you know, like just trying to uh, tell these guys different stories. I got a million stories from being all over the place and then pushing these guys in the right direction. And since then, we had that conversation He's been great. And some days it seems a loss of games, and he's been really, really good yeah. leading our guys. Perfect. So it's just some, some the way we handle certain things. That's good. Okay. Um, Coming off of a season, uh, finishing ninth in the conference with a record of 5-13, and 13, uh, what have you done in the offseason to improve for this upcoming season? Yeah. That, so we uh, – you know, last year we took – we brought in seven freshmen, mm-hmm. and we had one newcomer, Ariane Denavi, who was from Montreal. So he was like – Eight new guys, eight new guys of college basketball. So he was so young. um, And we, you know, most teams have at least five to eight weeks of summer work where they can work out. And we, we, I got the job really late. And so we only had 10 days. So we didn't have the five weeks. Okay. So, you know, obviously that kind of put us back. So we had to kind of get our system in on the fly with a whole bunch of new guys and as well as the the returners who were new to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know them, you know, before I got here. So it was a whole new situation, a whole new program, a whole new culture. Now this year we had the five-week summer program where we put our, you know, our defense, our terminology, our offense, everything that we're all about. And we also had time during the summer we, once a week, we did some type of event. So we went to the Basketball Hall of Fame as a group. Okay. Went around Basketball Hall of Fame, and we had lunch together. And just to sit there and kind of talk, hey, how's your family? How's your girlfriend? How's this? How's that? Was huge to getting to know these guys, them getting to know us, getting to know me, getting to know the coaches yep. or the staff. So it was so much better this year just getting the continuity. And then we brought in three other transfers mm-hmm veteran guys who've been in college basketball. So we're, 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 we did a complete 180. We're so much more mature, mm-hmm. much more competitive. And, yeah. again, we can say our basketball terminology, and everybody in that locker room knows what we're talking about now. So that's a big plus. That's good. Um, as far as culture-wise, how is it, like, how hard is it or how difficult can it be building a culture of guys who are about winning and being involved in the community and things like that? Well, it goes back to, like, the character guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, in that room, 14 guys in, in that locker room there, they're all good guys. So, you know, they, some guys, you know, you're going to have a guy every now and then he's going to be late. Every now and then some guy is going to have their hoodie on in class. And, you know, we, we check classes all the time. We talk about it all the time. But in general, all those guys are, are pretty much on the same page. They're okay. listening. They're on time. They're they're picking each other up. We talk about it every day. If, if, uh, if somebody's down – we need the other 13 guys to pick them up. If you see one of your teammates in trouble, you got to get them out of there. All of that stuff we talk about. And it's almost like that uh, that, that pack mentality. Yep. Like one guy, two guys, three guys, and now the whole pack, they take yeah. care of each other. Perfect. They care, t- take care of each other and take care of themselves. So it's been really fun building the culture. 
and it starts with just having good guys. Perfect. Um, I got a few rapid uh, rapid fire questions. Um, let's say situ- let's talk situational game situational. Yep. We're down. We're down eight. Two minutes left in the fourth quarter. What's the What's the approach? How are we approaching that? Well, obviously, got to get stops. Number one, of and then we're trying to push it, push it, push it. And one thing we want to play with is a lot of pace and space. We want the guys running to the corners, running to the rim, opening the floor. We're thinking if we got more space, we can get to the basket. So I'm a guy, attack the basket, attack the basket, attack the basket. If they collapse in, we can kick, kick it out, out spray it around, and just get a, a couple open corner threes, slot threes. We'll look for those. But we want to get it to downhill and attack that basket. And at the end, if they foul us, we get to the free throw line, we're stopping the clock, and we're scoring without the clock running. So we want to be in attack mode. Perfect. You got anything you want to ask? Uh, what's the playlist before the game looking like? What's your lock-in? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. So we have a we have a guy named Trey Breland who's from New Haven. I love Trey. Yeah, hometown man. hero. Yes, sir. So Trey is a big time. So we have music before practice every day uh, during the timeouts and practice, whatever. We might play some music or whatever. And it's all, you know, you guys, it's like the hip-hop yeah. from, from your day. But every now and then, uh, you know, I'm listening to my old school hip hop back when I was with Montez and I was uh, <laughs> here playing. So I'll come in and say, hey, man, let's, I need five minutes, man. I need five minutes from old school. So I say, you guys don't know about this. So I'll throw on some Houdini. <laughs> I'll throw on some Run DMC. I'll throw on some old school. Um, even that, um, what was it? It was, uh, we had a girl named Ruthie Smith who played basketball on the women's team when I was here. Mm-hmm. Her, her brother, was Paris Smith, who was a part of EPMD. That's before oh, your for time. Real. EPMD is a, t- uh, yep. a, a rap group from Long yeah. Island. Yep. So they used to come up all the time. Oh. So I'll throw on EPMD sometime. I was like, you guys don't know about this. So <laughs> that's the playlist right there. Um, <laughs> last question before we head out, because I know you got to go. Um, as far as family-wise, how does um, balancing family and basketball, how does that How does that go for you? <laughs> that's another good question, man. So you're talking to a guy, 53 years old, never married. I got a – I'm a I'm, People make fun of me. I'm a late bloomer. I got a two and a half year old. Okay. Um, That's really late. Oh yeah, my I'm, god. I'm a late bloomer, man. I'm a late bloomer. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's you know Roy Williams just retired two years ago, yep. and they asked Roy, Coach Williams, "Hey, what uh, what would you do differently if you had to do it all over again?" My man went. I think he won four national championships, been to the Final Four five times, North Carolina, Kansas, the whole nine yards. Great career. He's like, I spend more time with my family. He's 100% right. So what happens is basketball, you get so consumed with it. Mm-hmm. Like you're all like, I've been all over the world. Played yeah. in England, coached in China, yep. lived in Omaha, coached at Creighton in Chicago, all over the country playing, coaching basketball or whatever. And, you know, you you know, July is a big month for recruiting. Yep. July is also a big month for family reunions and vacations or whatever. So I've missed a lot of family reunion, vacation time because I'm basketball. Just working, yeah. Recruits, you're working. So, you know, obviously you love the sport. I love it, whatever. But, you know, it is a way you have to, you have to take time for yourself to manage your family and seeing your family and spending time with your family as much as you can because, like, after a while you're – you know what, Roy Williams, seventy years old, when you said, "Man, I needed more time with my family," so yeah. you missed that part. So, I try to spend as much time as I can with family, and uh, and even include them. If I'm going recruiting, 
and I can bring my little son with me, then yeah. I'll bring him with me because it's, it's not the end of the day. I chase him around the, the gym and yeah. we're watching players too. So it's a part of the whole deal. Okay, perfect. Uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing uh, uh, I'm saying, spend, giving us a little time to do this. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, you guys. Good luck on the season, man. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Thanks.